Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Well, it's Freeze LA Week next week in Los Angeles. I have to say it's really remarkable that the fair week in February with Freeze LA and the Hotel Fair Felix, it's not only caught on, but it's actually become an important week in the art fair schedule. I think a lot of it has to do with the fairs, of course, but there's also the entire LA art scene ecosystem that's developed over the last several years. You have the gallery expansion into LA that's truly been remarkable to watch. So many artists now seem to reside there, and of course the museums are excellent too. So ahead of next week's fairs in Los Angeles, we wanted to check in with someone there in LA on the ground to get a better sense of the current scene there. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Jory Finkel, who covers art in LA as a regular writer for the New York Times, and Jory is also the West Coast contributing editor for the art newspaper. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Jory, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for asking, Adam. Absolutely. Are you getting ready for a busy week in LA? Yes, I, I I was a little more strategic this time. Instead of RSVPing for anything whatsoever, I saved all my invites and went through them this weekend to sort out my calendar because you want to make sure you're in the right part of town for the next event to come, that kind of thing. So, um, so I was very strategic going through everything that's going on Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, really, um, to make sure I could do as much as possible. Yeah, I've learned the hard way, not being from LA, just about how strategic you should be when it comes to plotting your schedule out in advance because of the traffic and how spread out the city is. Otherwise, you just end up stuck in an Uber for hours having a lot of FOMO while you see what everyone else is doing on Instagram. Exactly. Mapping it out in advance is key. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you on and to chat about several different aspects of the exciting LA art scene it really does feel like LA has cemented itself as the second largest art center in the US, only trailing New York. Being there in LA, what's the overall mood from participants there about the growth over the last several years and how things are today? Yeah, and you know, maybe second largest by some metrics, but certainly most exciting by others. Um, And and the overall mood, you know, I would say, Most everyone here would agree there's been a lot of growth, tremendous growth, and a lot of creative opportunity. Not only the New York Gallery's opening branches here, as you mentioned, but activity on the museum front, too. Um, In the next year or two, for example, we will see the Lucas Museum open for the first time, and we will see the main part of the LACMA campus reopen with a new building. So it's it's the combination. The ecosystem feels really healthy right now. Um, but you should keep in mind something we're thinking about is that L.A. is a great incubator for contemporary art and its institutions. Uh, so for culture as well as technology, which means there are a lot of failures along the way, too, that we tend to forget about or gloss over, whether it's the galleries that opened here and closed. Um, or the museums that have opened, the new museums we were so excited about eight years ago, 
gone just like that. I'm thinking about the Marciano Museum closing almost overnight as soon as the workers organized into a union or the Underground Museum, which also closed very suddenly right after they hired their first professional out. I shouldn't say first professional, but their first um, outside uh, museum director. And 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 so they they closed almost overnight and really left a hole in the in the fabric here. Um, it was a real disappointment. So I think the mood here is optimistic. I think there's a lot of excitement, but I think some of that optimism might be fueled by the burning of these dreams um, uh, that have occur- occurred along the way. If that makes sense, it does. And you being based in LA, you have that historical perspective of the art scene in the city. So it's especially interesting to hear you say all of that. One thing that you did touch on that I'd love to discuss further is that we've seen so much gallery expansion into LA over the last few years. What do you think are the strongest driving forces behind this? Why are the galleries moving to LA? Um, you know, three reasons, money, money, and money, I would uh-huh. say something like that. And that wasn't, that wasn't always the case, Adam, that 15 years ago, 18 years ago, when I first moved here, we saw some galleries move in from New York, Christian Hayes of the project, Michelle Macaron opened her first space here. And it didn't feel like they were profit driven in quite the same way. They were opening what you might describe as project spaces more. The galleries that are moving here now, the David Zorners, Listen, Marion Goodman, you know, these are serious galleries. They are not moving to L.A. just because there's good weather and a nice lifestyle. Um, I mean, certainly that plays a role, but I, I, I feel like that always gets a lot of the press, you know, that L.A. is a great community. They're moving to be closer to the artists. And yes. Um, yes. And. Yes, and they need that L.A. gallery to hold on to their L.A. artists, um, sometimes in in order to hold on to their international artists, because otherwise there are L.A. galleries ready to represent those artists. I mean, think about when Hauser moved here. Um, So so an earlier wave of galleries opening here from New York or internationally opening branches here would include Hauser and Spruth Magers opening the same year. When they opened here, Hauser almost immediately picked up Mark Bradford, who had no representation in LA at the time. He was almost too big for LA. You know, he didn't want to go to Gagosian. It wasn't a good fit for him. Where would he go? So Hauser moved in, swooped, swooped up Mark Bradford, and very soon after also poached Charles Gaines from a local gallery here. So, you know, these galleries are competing for LA artists. That's the number one reason, or one reason I would list. The second reason is that having this additional space allows them to show more exhibitions or or to be crass, to push more merchandise and, and um, relieve inventory issues, right? That they have a lot of artists they're working with. Um, and these artists don't want shows once every four years. They want shows more often than that. And how do you do that? Well, you open a gallery somewhere else, whether it's Seoul or LA or what have you. 
Um, and then I, I, I think the third reason would be that LA is a great place to live and work, um, especially for recovering New Yorkers. But at the same time, are there also questions about the long-term sustainability of all these galleries in LA? We've seen this huge surge of galleries in this city. Can they all thrive or even survive? No, I think that is the big open question. The growth at the gallery level has been tremendous. And is it sustainable? Um, you know, it, it, we have we have a growing community of collectors here, but not as many as you would think at the Hauser or Zwerner or Marion Goodman level. Um, so, you know, I think it's hard to say, you know, for another, I don't think we'll know for another five or 10 years, which of these galleries are really setting down roots versus which are setting up shops more or less temporarily. Um, but but one thing I can say is because I, because I don't think we're ready to answer that question yet, Adam, I just reported a different kind of story for the art newspaper that I thought uh, you, you might want to know about. Um, and it's for the edition that appears at Freeze LA that looks at this question from a very particular or narrow angle. I, I spent some time reporting on how all of the galleries moving to LA has affected the local job market here. Um, and the reason they've affected the local job market is because these galleries expanding from New York or Europe, they know that to become successful in LA, they really have to understand that LA is a different animal. It is a different creature. They have to understand how the art world or worlds work here. So they're hiring local gallery directors who even five years ago, didn't have many job options. You know, they might be at Kordansky or Regan or Blum and Poe, as it was called at the time. And they were pretty much stuck there. There wasn't that much movement. Well, these galleries come to town and it has never been, there has never been a better time to be a gallery director in LA in terms of job opportunities and movement. These galleries coming to town know that they have to hire the best local people they can who have the relationships that can make or break their gallery. Um, one of them actually, one source also told me it, it, there's never been a better time to be a senior registrar in Los Angeles, that there is so much demand for registrars with a certain level of experience and so little supply. So if you're a registrar out there listening who lives in New York or Chicago or anywhere else, this is the time to move to LA. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I, these galleries, they need professionals who are really experienced and do a really good job in these types of roles. And so if there's a dearth of them in LA, they're going to be in a hot commodity. They're going to be compensated well. And maybe it is a reason to move to LA from New York or somewhere else. One other area that we haven't really touched is are the actual artists. It feels like so many artists have moved to LA recently. Is that trend still continuing? And how important is that for the art scene in LA to flourish? It's been hugely important, really, from the start here. Um, and, you know, in the 70s and 80s, we saw the rise, the development of some major um, art schools or art programs. Um, so, Certainly for the last few decades, we've had a lot of artists moving to town 
to go to BFA or MFA programs at CalArts, Art Center, UCLA, USC, Otis, where I used to teach. Um, artists are moving to are moving here to study here. They move here to teach here. They move here to join friends who have or partners who are doing one or the other. Um, one thing has changed in that it is not so cheap or easy to live here anymore. So uh, I do think that we're seeing some artists move out of town, further out of LA. Um, you could move further east and maybe find more affordable rents. Um, so that may, you know, we haven't seen a great exodus yet, but that may happen. Uh, that may happen at some point uh, in the coming decade or two. So Freeze LA is back next week. It's in Santa Monica by the airport. It's already moved twice in the recent past. This is the third location. How important has the has Freeze, the art fair, and really Freeze Week become for LA? I think it's become really important. I mean, this is the first time in my 20 years here on the ground that I've seen an art fair really succeed at generating, you know, not just sales, but excitement. People are organizing their calendar around it. People coming in, museum groups coming in from out of town, for example. It may be eating away at some of the interest nationally or internationally in the Fog Art Fair in San Francisco because it's relatively close in the calendar. That Fog is a great fair, a great experience of a fair, but it feels to me very local. And um, I think that's because people are planning their trips to California for February for freeze now. And and this is very different than uh, even 10 years ago. I, I wrote an article once upon a time where I, I had a, a sentence in the article where I said that L.A., Los Angeles, is a graveyard for art fairs. And I've never had a sentence quoted so much in my entire life. I mean, you know, that that. That it was quoted back to me. That's how much it made the rounds. Um, in LA, really, it was the place that art fairs came to die. Even the promising art fairs like Perry Photo, which chose a wonderful location. The Paramount lot was really fun experience as fairs go. That you know, you could um duck into one of the fake buildings on the Paramount stage set um, that's pretending to be a New York townhouse and and have a drink there. It was a great experience and it and the fair didn't survive. The fact that Freeze um, is still going strong even after the interruption of COVID, I think is a really good sign. And then, as you mentioned, Freeze Week itself has is, is really flourishing now that thanks in large part to the galleries that are in town, we have a whole host of Dinners, events, artist studio visits. Um, you know, this is one big party now, like an art fair that you might go to in London or Miami. Yeah, the art world, it isn't asking Freeze LA to be a mega fair like Basel or Basel, Miami. Because of the development of the LA art scene, the galleries, the artists, the museums, Freeze can be this activity that occurs on a single day of a three or four day trip to LA for someone occurring during the winter in a nice climate. And that's all it's really being asked to be. So before we go, for those of us who aren't in LA, but are following the LA art scene closely, what do you think are a few misconceptions about the scene? 
Adam, I think the single biggest misconception about LA is is the way we talk about the LA art world as one world. And I'm trying to correct that in my own writing and thinking and talking because there's so many different overlapping communities here. And this is true, of course, of other cities, you know, that the art world in New York is not some monolithic thing. Um, but from a distance, you can think of that. You think you know the LA art world because you know a few of the bigger artists or galleries. But we're talking about, you know, entire communities of Chicano artists, Black artists, Indigenous artists, who, of course, aren't a uniform thing themselves because they have different tribal affiliations and so forth, or communities not defined by identity, but by geography or by school affiliations. So it's hard to generalize about LA artists. And it's a bigger and more interesting, more surprising pool than you would think. And I think the best example of this comes from the Hammer Museum and the way they've done their biennial made in LA. So this year, this past year was the sixth edition of the biennial. Uh, in the beginning, the, we all had the question, is this biennial sustainable? Can they do a biennial focusing just on LA artists every two years? Aren't they going to run out of artists? And the big uh, surprise is that they didn't and that this past year's Hammer Biennial was actually stronger than any other edition as far as I'm concerned. It was curated by Diana Nawi and Pablo Jose Ramirez, just to give them a shout out. Um, but the best edition yet, and 60% of the artists were artists who were new to me. So the, 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 I would say that is the single biggest, that LA is much bigger and deeper than you think um, when it comes to the talent pool, the uh, number of artists living here. Jory, thanks so much again for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate hearing your insights on the LA art scene. And I'm sure you'll be reporting on and covering the fairs and the fair week next week. Where can we find your coverage? I have written maybe five or six articles already for the art newspapers daily editions. So you can look for me there. Um, they used to produce one uh, newspaper, for, two newspapers for that frees Los Angeles. This year, they're producing four. So there's a sign of uh, the growth for you. Great. And where can we find you on social in case we want to follow you there as well? It's it's my name, at Jory Finkel. So on Instagram. Perfect. See you next week, Jory. Oh, thank you, Adam. And I look forward to seeing you in LA.